Well, hello again. This is John, the Dungeon Master for The Almost Heroes. I can't believe it myself, but we are finally here. This is the last episode of Almost Heroes Season 1. Before we get on with the finale, I wanted to take some time to thank a few of the people whose work has honestly made this podcast what it is. Aside, of course, from the three talented gentlemen who have been on this podcast with me, Bobby, BK, and Dan. First, I would like to thank the fantastic artist who has created all of the character art for this show, Kim Lammers, aka Breaking Branch. And you can find their artwork on Instagram at breakingbranch.art. Secondly, I would like to thank Jake Splendorio, who can be found on Spotify as Wandering Planet. We use Jake's songs Starfighter and Starduster for some of our most epic, climactic scenes, and I can't thank him enough for letting us use them. In fact, Starfighter is the song you're hearing right now. And third and finally, I would like to thank the artist White Bat Audio for their just incredible library of music that we used to just honestly fill in all the gaps when it came to setting the mood, setting the tone piece, Uh, for a lot of our scenes uh, couldn't have done it without and thank you for listening and coming along with us on this three-year journey I am so happy with how this story has turned out and I hope that you'll be happy with it as well but I think that's it it's time for you to rejoin our heroes as they take one final flight along with their faithful donkeys and you discover the fate of the fearsome four I'll see you on the other side Enjoy. Last time on Almost Heroes, our heroes are revived after visiting the Archivist at level 20 and are now face to face with Goldbreak the Sundered. The battle commences as Cosmo grows these angelic wings and flies straight into the face of evil and smashes with his war pick. Rangrim, blasted by a fire blast, is left immune. Glynn summons a friendly uh, face, Adna, to the field. Goldbreak is distraught and attacks begin swirling and flying claws and teeth and tails. Rangrim summons his spirit guardians summoning the ancestors of his Durgar people to do his bidding. Goldbreak isn't having it. His wing attacks are pushing us all around. Glynn immediately dispatches the green orb, and Goldbreak is pissed. He lets out a massive force blast, nearly throwing Glynn into the open air, falling to his death. The battle rages on as our heroes take blow after blow from Goldbreak and fight back. Realize we see as other parts of Sakal are fighting for their lives. We see images of Bokrin and Lady Zoran fighting for their very last uh, attempt to withhold the lines. Whitport surrounded by an undead horde as Baldor crashes in with a cart to save it. The South Bridge is left with floating leaf and the force surrounded, but a friendly little voice comes from within the trees, yelling, Stab! Stab! as Gerd has her way with the undead hordes. Joro, in illithid form, 
flies in and is in spaceship, severing the head of the giant purple worm, saving Tintown and our family. Amber falls under siege as the armor lines are breaking, but are reformed and re-engaged as retired Constable Hunter steps in and bolsters their ranks. We're wearing thin as Goldbreak has Rangrim pinned to the ground, as I finally am able to deliver the final divine smite into the neck of Goldbreak. We are visited by the spirits of Bryn and Rhaenyra. We offer our final sentiments and give final hugs. We hear a loud shouting call from within our earwigs as Pops is calling for any help to Tintown as a massive surge of undead ru rushed onto its uh, city and its walls. Realizing the evil power resonating from the left corrupted heart of Ao, we try to dispatch it. Our weapons and magic are no match, as I blast with my angelic wings into the air holding the orb, with Glyn and Rangrim on the cart behind, flying towards an unknown beam and a hopeful interdimension hole in the sky above. And that is where we left off. Thank you very much, Bobby. That brings us to episode 132, Ascension. So we last left off, the three of you had embarked on one final flight beside your trusty donkeys, headed upwards towards the multicolor sights, <clears throat> the multicolor starfall cascading from above. Cosmo, you're in the lead now. You're, you're soaring upwards with the aid of your new radiant wings. The false heart of Ao is clutched tightly to your chest. And Rangrim and Glynn, you are right behind him in the cart, just speeding almost directly upwards towards this hole in the sky and this, this figure that you can see above. And ahead of all of you, you see just the continuing fall of those, what you now know to be multicolored god shards that are falling from the sky. And as they do, you can see each interplanar portal open in the sky above and then close shortly thereafter but you still see that one portal open with the silhouette of that same figure looking down at you. And you just continue to race upwards and I, I, you're just, you know, it, I think the, the wind is whipping past all of you as you do. And then you shoot through the hole in the sky above. And, and you, as you do, you, you're, it's just a blur of multicolored, lights and darkness as you pass through you can feel there is like there's a like some sort of barrier and it's not physical but it's almost you feel as if something like glenn i, I think uh glenn and rangram in particular actually i think all would recognize this it's a, like you you recognize this magical barrier and it's as if something breaks as you go through it like you 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 shatter some sort of veil and it's that whatever continuing magic effect that was uh, that was going on as you pass through this, it's as if it ends the second that you pass through this hole. And at the second that you pass through, the hole behind you closes. And you're just in this black, dark space. And all around you, you can see that there are just hundreds of thousands of those floating lights, the same lights that you saw cascading from the sky above. You see them now floating all around you in this black space. And 
you're weightless. You're just hanging there in the air, all three of you and the donkeys, which is probably pretty disconcerting to them. Uh, as you are, uh, as you're sitting there, kind of like sitting there floating weightless, and you see the figure. They're sitting cross-legged, but they're floating in air, just the same way you are. And they are impossibly, impossibly old. And though the hole is gone, they're still in that same place. And you, you see them now, and they're they're looking at you, and they just they give you one look of just like just contentment and you recognize immediately this figure is Kronos. But even as you look at them and that smile, that warm smile is kind of looking at you and their eyes are just closed tight. Uh, you see lines of light begin to appear all over their body. This just like I said, impossibly old figure. And even as they're continuing to smile, you see these lines become brighter and then in an instant, they just shatter into shards that spread all around you, joining the thousands of glowing shards of all different colors that are floating around in this space all around you. And then it's just quiet. There is no sound almost. There, You're just... You're in this space and there's no ground. There's no floor. It's just dark blackness all around you with these multicolored lights illuminating everything. And I think it's 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 reflecting off of your face and off of the cart and but there's nothing else in the space. It's just you guys. And then Cosmo, you you look down and and you start to feel the this warmth from the false heart of Ao in your hands and you see as it grows warmer, you see it begin to dissolve and first it is separating into the three primary colors the red the blue and the green the lights are are kind of coming apart it's as if it's like the white that was binding it is kind of coalescing again back into those three colors and then even as you're watching it the three primary colors they just begin to dissolve as well and within a short period of time it just is gone. The false heart is just completely dissolved from your hands. But at the same time, as this reaches its conclusion, something else starts to happen. And the three of you begin to glow with this just bright white light. And you start to see the energy that is radiating around you begin to pool off of you. And the three of your, the, th the the light coming off the three of your figures begins to coalesce into the space in front of you and coming back together and forming something out of this, this like radiant light. You see that this, this shape, this, uh, this, this thing that's beginning to form, it, it is beginning to take on a vaguely humanoid shape. It's, it doesn't have like a, real head to speak of it has more of like an up kind of a, a you know ambiguous form and its arms don't really have fingers they just kind of have you know just just you can see but it's generally in in a humanoid shape but it's it's tall like it's, it's about two times your height um about 15 feet tall and as you're watching this i think that your your attention is so distracted that 
I, I don't think you realize when suddenly the the light begins to dim the light around you that is that has been illuminating the space and you're again you're instead of being lit from all around you you're just lit from the front now as all of the energy this this white radiant energy has left you and is now consolidated into this 15 foot humanoid form in front of you and even as you're watching them they begin to change as you're watching as, as you look on you see them begin to shrink and take on a more humanoid shape. Uh, I think vaguely around like, you know, six feet tall. Uh, they seem to, this form as it kind of shrinks and starts to like condense a little bit, they almost look like they have the outline of kind of like short curly hair. They seem like they have some sort of cape that's coming off of the back of them. And they're, they're only an outline. You can see that they're wearing these clothes and and, and, and everything else, but um, they don't have facial features aside from what looks like a mouth and like eyebrows. And it's just the absence of light that is giving any kind of estimation of a face. Everything else is just an outline of solid white light. And as this figure kind of solidifies and sets down doesn't sit down on the ground because, like I said, there's no real floor here. Uh, but they kind of lower down uh, to your level, and you see them smile. And you hear a voice that it's simultaneously, it, it's so impossible to tell its gender. It is simultaneously male and female, and it's also simultaneously, like, warm and friendly, but also, sim like, at the same time, like, kind of terrifyingly powerful in in like it, it, you are into like the, the very voice itself is intimidating but you can tell that at the same time like you are comforted and the voice says well hello there glenn rangrim and cosmo it's wonderful to finally meet you face to face well an approximation of a face and they kind of laugh uh with like that that same kind of like warm warmness to them um and the the figure looks around at the space that they're in this this kind of dark void uh surrounded by all these these glowing shards and says you know this place isn't really made for mortals let's see if we can do something about that and you see them wave a hand and just as if it is building itself out of nothing you see first a wooden floor and then tables begin to appear out of the ground and then a roof and a bar and suddenly in front of you there is a perfect duplicate perfect representation down to every last splinter and nail of the Maddox Tavern from Tintown. And you see as Ao sets themselves down onto the level of the wooden floor and walks over to uh, one of the tables and goes, oh, sorry about that. Let me, and he waves his hand down and the three of you, including the donkeys, 
uh, float softly down to the floor and are now the the black space beneath your feet is uh, it seems more solid now and the gravity has returned to the space um, and you are standing in front of a version of the Matic uh, that has been created in this this dark void and you see uh, you see Ao go in, and sit down at strangely enough the same table that you all have sat down at so many times over the course of this this journey. Uh, Cosmo, what's your gut telling you about this guy? Yeah, do we fucking... Am I, am I supposed to fucking hit him? Cosmo... I think you just killed the other god that we were talking to, so... Cosmo, uh, let's... Let's roll a religion check, shall we? Can I? <laughs> That's fair. I don't think I have a plus to any of that, so. Uh, 19. I don't think I have a plus, so. Um, I, I mean, that's that's plenty. Uh, I think that Cosmo of any of any of them, of any of the three of you, you have spent your entire life, whether without even knowing it, with the the heart of Ao inside of you. And I think that it there's no question that who this is, because it feels to you like this this figure, it's like seeing a, a long lost friend that you completely forgot about. Mm. And you it just you you feel like you don't feel any animosity and you I mean you just they feel very comfortable to be around. Uh, so they're sitting at the table. I mean, I don't know where we're at. You're just standing just outside of it. So uh, you're basically just outside of the tavern on this uh, kind of solidified black, uh, you know, black void. Um, and uh, yeah, you're just you're sitting outside of it. I think Cosmo would uh, would kind of step be the first one to step forward and just. It's it's okay, it's all it's all right, and uh, he would walk into the tavern. I think maybe he just stands at the doorway and sees Ao, and he feels this sense of like I know him. Uh, and I think he would just like run and try to em- give an embrace. Um, I think as you, I think as you run up to him, he's like, he's like. Oh wait, wait, wait! I think if you touch me, I you might explode. And uh, I don't. Cos- <laughs> and he's Cosmo- he, and he he's, he stops and he goes, "I'm just kidding." And, and then he and then he uh, he puts his arms out. Um, if you for Cosmo to embrace him, if he wants. Uh, Co- Cosmo, you see this like stutter where he's like, uh, uh, where he is like, should I, should I, should I, should I bow? Should I hug? And I think he just. Gives an embrace, yeah. Blin likes to ring because I don't think I've ever seen Cosmo this uh, confused as to what to do. It's kind of making me uncomfortable. Nope. Yep, making me very uncomfortable. I, I think that just, then just kind of follow suit, and he's kind of just standing behind Cosmo, hugging like an over god. 
very confused. <laughs> uh, and the, the two of you being a little bit shorter too, I think that uh, they are, and I'm trying to use the they pronouns for AO, I might slip up, but um, they they are like, they, they lean down and are giving you, uh, you know, a, a, an embrace. And I think that it just, the energy just feels, it's not like that pop rock staticky kind of feeling that you got from the archivist. It's It's just more of like this, I don't know, welcoming light. And it feels, honestly, it feels just like when you all had absorbed the power of, of the heart of Ao into you and had, you know, it, you just, it feels, it feels like an, a, a comfortable warmth that is spreading through you. What's Glenn doing? going to tentatively kind of sit down, not overly comfortable with the situation. Um, more apprehensive i mean even with the the warm and fuzzy feelings glenn's seen how many times it's betrayed others in the past uh glenn definitely is in the mindset that any good way to turn a trick on a mark is to uh make them trust you so glenn's definitely apprehensive to what's being sold to him but is also very aware (laughs) that someone just made a whole replica bar in front of him without (laughs) theoretically ever seeing the bar so he's he's in awe but he's also like uh power doesn't necessarily mean good no that's fair um i think that ao uh, i think they release uh you know kind of release the embrace and and sits down on the other side of the table um and they they look around and go I think I think I did a pretty accurate job. It's difficult. I I kind of built this from your memories, Cosmo. So it's it's a bit uh I think I think I got I think I got most of the things accurate. And he uh he smiles and goes, I think actually down to most of the details and uh you see them like raise their hand, like wave their hand over the table and uh Glenn, you see a Flaming Lips cocktail that appears in front of you, and then uh, two Dwarven Ales in signs uh, that appear in front of Cosmo and Rangrim. Uh, Rangrim's inspecting it, like, heavily, and as well as he's inspecting, like, the whole area, like, eyeball to the table, like, tapping on stuff, <laughs> like, so we're not in the medic. No, but not- this, this is... Probably as close as it's gonna get for now. That's that is that's true. Um, you are far away from the the real Matic, but I figured this would be a more comfortable place to chat. And I just it's nice to just get to be here with you. I've haven't had this opportunity i've been so close to you for well about 50 years or so and um it's just oh it's nice but i'm sure that you all have so many questions so before i waste any more time uh you know creating things out of the ether what can I help answer for you? Is is Tin Town safe? Did the did the horde stop? They uh they nod their head. 
as soon as you pass through the barrier between planes, the control that the that false heart, that corrupted heart had over your prime material plane ceased. It was it as you saw, the the false heart is no more. And its power, as soon as you pass through the planes, uh, it it was no longer had any effect on yours. So as far as I know, everything should be all right now. There will be some cleanup, I'm sure, but nothing that I don't think that you and your friends and the rest of the world will be able to handle. Yeah, um, I, I think so. Um, so you're here. You kind of always have been. Where's, I, I mean, I suppose in part and piece. Well, one, where did the weird old guy go? They, um, they look a little bit somber uh, when you, when you say, when you ask that. Well, that, that old guy, um, Kronos, they were, well, they were serving a role that they thought was important. And we'll get into their slots to discuss when it comes to what Kronos and the other Titans thought they were doing right and the problems that that caused. But Kronos is the reason for the starfall. And in an attempt to save the fragments of the gods and keep them safe, or what they thought was safe from the seven, he slowed the moment of their fracturing down to almost a standstill and has been sending shards through the pri- to the prime material plane for what to you has been more than 50 years, but here in the celestial plane has been mere moments. So he's I- attempted to slow down their dismemberment in order for somebody to figure out how to keep them from dismembering? From my best guess, Kronos and the rest of the Titans believed that the Seven would stop at nothing to destroy any memory or remnants of the previous Pantheon. And in an attempt to protect them, he wanted to that wanted to send them out of their range, out of their reach, and by doing so, sent them to the prime material plane below. By what you saw when you passed through the the border between the prime material and the celestial planes was you broke Kronos's time spell, basically, and it had been what you were seeing through that hole was. Literal moment, literal moments after all the gods had been shattered. No time, almost no time had passed in the celestial plane. But as soon as you pass through, time caught up. And you saw Kronos being shattered the same way that all the gods were. When I was separated from my heart and it fell to the prime material plane below. And well, you know the rest of that story. It ended up with a small dwarven child and was 
archived away into lots of little pieces by a very protective fragment of Morgan. So, I mean, obviously I've heard the story since I was a wee dwarf, but why, or did they, the Seven truly intend to unmake the quote-unquote old gods? There's... There's a lot of stories that have been going around over these years, but I'll tell you this. I was never slain by the seven. The, what, <laughs> where to begin? I'll, I'll start here. It was the Titans that created the false heart to try to mimic my, my heart and the powers of creation that it held. And they did that to try to protect me. And it's noble, and I appreciate it. But the problems that it caused because of it, it very much backfired. Because when they created that false heart, it bound me to the prime material plane. And that is why my heart ended up there, and why I was trapped, and why only when you brought both the true heart and the false heart back to the celestial plane that I was able to be whole once again. Mm. So I, I, I never intended for any of this to happen. It's, I'll try to make... And you might think me just kind of reckless in this, but you have to take into account that I've been doing this for a very, very, very long time. And being in the God of gods, the creator of everything, it's not without its drawbacks. And I think that for me, I was just, I was simultaneously, I don't want to say bored, but I was curious. I had grown to love your worlds and the prime material plane so much. The, the things that you, the, that, that all of you do on such a, on a scale where everything is, is so important, but it was, it was, it was nice to zoom in and to, to just really see that you didn't take really anything for granted. You, you fought for everything. And I, I just, I fell in love with the prime material plane. And I got to a point where I was curious. Could, what would, what would you do if you were faced with eraser, annihilation, something where if, if, there was a massive threat that was that threatened all of your existence. What would you what would you do? Would you rise to the occasion? And that was the plan that I put into effect. And I know he puts they put a hand up. And I know. I know how that sounds. I, I promise that it's that was never my intention. Wait, wait, wait. 
are you saying that you were halfway behind Goldbreak and the plot? Uh, no, uh, I mean, I am to blame for it uh, in a matter of speaking um, as much as the, the my protectors, the, the three Titans were as well. Um, Kronos, the Raven Queen and Tiamat, they... <laughs> they they are as much to blame as I for what happened but I wasn't it wasn't part of my plan but like I said I never intended for any of this to happen and the gods were only shattered because of the plot to create the false heart but like I said the seven never slew me. The moment that the Titans created that false heart and took it to the prime material plane to hide it is the moment that I was trapped in the heart and it fell to the prime material plane. So what, I, what put the seven in the place of power that they were so revered at? When I made the challenge and made it known that I had intentions of erasing your existence, your reality, and starting new, something afresh. I had a feeling, having watched the Prime Material Plane for so long, that there would be those that would come to its aid. Someone that would try to stand up for your plane of existence and say, no, we will not be erased. We will not go quietly into that good night. And I had a plan. And the Titans did not know about it. And that is my heir. And that is something that I will have to, that I, I take fully on as my own cause for a lot of this, well, everything that you've been through and everything your world has been through for the past 50 years. With my tests that I challenged the world with, I, like I said, I didn't know who would answer the call, but the seven did. And they, they answered that challenge with more uh, ferocity than I could have expected. I... <laughs> I'd intended to face them and I intended to feign defeat and in doing so pass the power of creation to my victors. And I intended to leave to go somewhere else and leave this world in what I believe to be competent hands. I don't believe that this world needs an overgod. I don't believe that you all need someone that you can, that, that is looking over everything, making decisions for all of it. I think that you all are, and everything I've seen of, during my time of watching your plane, I, I wanted to hand over the keys to the kingdom. I wanted to hand it over the power to the people of your world and 
to let you be, be the masters of your own destinies. And that was the plan until the Titans, in an attempt to save me, a part of me, and to stop the erasure from happening and to stop the seven from slaying me, they created the false heart, hid it away. And as soon as it passed the prime material plane's boundaries, I was bound to the prime material plane as well. And like I said, you know the rest. So it put the, it, it caused the struggle within the power to be stuck in limbo until the fake heart was absolved. And now the gods were never meant to be shattered or destroyed that only happened because of the creation of the false heart had my plan gone the way i wanted it to and i had passed the tools of creation over to the seven cleanly the previous pantheon would have never ceased to be there would they would have been a a seamless transition of power as far as the world knew i the seven would have would have slain the god that was trying to erase all of your existence, and they would have been the heroes and would have been able to rule with all the powers they needed to. And the tools for creation and the would be squarely in the hands of those in your world. But as we all know, it didn't really turn out that way. No. Mortals are that's just not how it works for us. Well, to be fair, it wasn't mortals that caused this mess. It was myself and my protectors. But I think that you all are capable of far more than you give yourself credit for. Uh, that's a maybe. But so... Rangrim, Glynn, I realize I've got about a bajillion questions as I'm now sitting before the eternal being that has, in some capacity, resided inside me for my entire life. So, feel free to jump in with any questions <laughs> that you may have uh, as he turns to his side, and I expect to... They're both just like... Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Um... Like Cosmos has been talking to Amir this whole time, and we're like, "What the fuck is happening?" Amir's <laughs> responding. <laughs> but um, uh, I, it, I have a few questions, Cosmo. If you don't mind me interjecting, please. Hey, you've been with us this entire time, effectively with with Cosmo, right? So you've seen you've seen the Matic, you've seen the Underdark, you've seen our friends that we've met. And it's a little surprising to me as I look at you now. Uh, your hands are empty, and I don't think we've ever shared a table with anybody who's not drinking with us. So, are you a friend, or is this business? <laughs> I think uh, I think that they they look a little a uh, little taken aback for a second, and then they um you see them do a do a, a slow a slow nod and goes. 
I believe that you can count me as a friend. And they uh, summon a another uh, another tanker. They kind of lift their hand up off the table, um, and you see uh, a tankard appear. Um, and I think that this tankard is it's this weird amalgamation. It's as if you like typed into an AI generator that they wanted it to mix your uh, flaming lips cocktail glass with the the dwarven it's tankard. So flaming it's like a ale <laughs> mix between the two of them, and it's like it's a mixture of like glass and and metal in the way that it's created. Um, but it is, it's like a perfect mixture between the two as if they're trying to split the difference and, uh, you see them, uh, drink it and you don't know where it's going. It's, you can see them take a sip of it, but like, it's not going into their person at all. Um, so you don't know if it's just like ceasing to be as soon as it's in them. It's, it's kind of a mystery, but that might be a mystery for, for another day. Uh, just a couple more questions currently, because as you pontificate and answer Cosmos questions, my brain is absolutely spinning, but uh, in your all-knowingness, were you aware Goldbreak would ever be hunting immortality? I mean, knowing that you're going to relinquish this power of creation and, I mean, ultimately destruction as well. It's It's adorable we're focusing on the creation, but you had to know someone else would be after that. And obviously trapping a, a fragment of you in a false heart and the undoing by the Titans were definitely outside of your purview. But was any of this known to you ahead of time or were you just completely at a loss? Because if you've been with Cosmo this whole time, why was there never a beacon of of action? No no call to call to arms. That is seems like we're just some fucked up play for you to ride along and see what happens. Can't help but be a little bit uh irritated that a friend and Glenn's gonna like hold up his glass and fake cheers him would be so willing to watch someone keeping him safe watch as they potentially wither away. I think that you see a, like a kind of a look of a pretty like severe, like sadness and, and kind of uh, hurt and like also just embarrassment that, that washes over AO's face. And uh, you see them kind of reach a handout, but just like not really, but they just kind of like put a hand up and then they put it back down. That's a hard question. Being in all powerful over God, whatever you want to call that, it isn't what it, what I believe you think it is. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know what is going on in other places in in these realities. I I basically I start something, and I don't always know where it's going to end up, but when I created these realities. It wasn't, I didn't just will them into existence exactly as they are. They started as something a lot smaller and grew and became what they are now. I, it's not my, I, I don't control what happens in or decisions that you make. I don't, I don't 
there are other gods that that determine fate and things of that sort. And I didn't make them. I made, I I, I created the process that eventually resulted in those gods existing. And it's it's complicated. I I know it's hard and it's it's frustrating and not satisfying to hear that. But I may be the progenitor of all of this, but I didn't design it. I just kind of started that ball rolling and now you're here. And I can tell you that if I could have helped, if I could have done anything while I was archived away into all those little tiny pieces inside of young Cosmo here, I would have. I I have been trying in small parts to help over the years and um, lending my power as I could try to, but there wasn't much I could do. My intention by passing over the power of creation to you and the mortals of this world was to, was that I don't believe that there should be one being in charge of everything. I don't think there should be anyone dictating the destiny of everyone that exists here. And so I wanted to set that right. And whether or not that was the right decision, whether or not that was the decision that would have ultimately led to your destruction, at least it would have been your decision. That's fair, I suppose. It's kind of a backseat way of saying it's not really within your control, but I can't really find that hard to believe. But at a certain point, if you're you're captive, you're captive. Um, I guess my last question: You've been with Cosmo this whole time and seen him grow up and become the the hero before you. But uh, have you have you been watching Cosmo go to the bathroom, or do you like <laughs> look away during? I those was moments? thinking it. I was thinking it, but I didn't want to say it. There's been some, like, I'm sure there's been some times that Cosmo probably didn't want to be watched, and if you're silent passenger the whole time, it's kind of an invasion of private. Cosmo, I'm just looking out for you at this point. It's it, I just need to know where this guy stands, this person stands. They sit there and their <laughs> their their mouth agape, and they don't say anything because I don't know what to say. Cosmo and... would interject, and it's it's all right. You you can lie to me. Go ahead. Glenn Glenn cheers. Rangram just stopped the sentence. Let's just say that I had selective perception of my of these surroundings. Hmm. Perfect. Perfect answer. I mean, if Rangram, any uh, oh sorry. Go at ahead. At the Cosmo. very least. At the very least, all of the times that I took those marvelous dwarven dumps, at least I wasn't the only one that saw them. Oh, the things you've never heard until you play Dungeons and Dragons. Marvelous I love dwarven that, dump. I love that the just the sheer amount of unique once in a lifetime sentences that are said during Dungeons and Dragons. It has to be. Just like, just so many words that would never have been next, they made friends with each other in a sense, or have just been united by Dungeons and Dragons over the years. You're welcome. 
Uh, I know I said I had one question left, but I'm going to throw one more in. Uh, Ranger, sorry to kind of add another one, but what the fuck did we find in Ebon Depths? What did you make? What the fuck crashed into those mountains to produce whatever the fuck we ran into, whatever Joro is now? That felt like a real oversight on your part. Can you explain in any capacity where the fuck that thing came from? Uh, so if I'm not mistaken, the Illithids and their their vessel that crashed into the, the Ebon Depths and created the, well, brought with them all of the, the dark steel material from, or the star metal that was there. I believe that they came from the plane of madness. Um, again, like I said, set up all rolling. That. I don't. Just why, I why would like that? Even just the name is it's just, I didn't that name should have it. been as it left your mouth. You should have just like pulled that one back. Yeah. Like, I mean, it seems like right? a bad idea. I had a particularly bad time with those. Again, again, I listen. I, if, are you right? Plane of murder. Totally, Don't make it. Just you're totally. I, I think there is one of those, to be honest. But I, I didn't. What you need to understand is that uh, when when these things start out, they don't start out as I'm going to make a plane of madness and here it is, and now I'm like creating these crazy face tentacle monsters. It's that those things evolve over time, and eventually they or things outside of their plane of existence give them that name. Um, the illithids are something that came uh, along on their own. And um, I'm, I'm glad that your friend Jora was able to, to make it back to you, even in the, the, the changed form that they are. But uh, I, I, I just, I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't have a, and not like I'm reaching my hand in and, and, and changing things like that. I, I just, I kind of, you know, started that, started the process and, Honestly, things just kind of went their own course from there and dictated what they became themselves. Plain of mad, I just plain of madness. Why, Ranker, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I'm fixing. Yeah, oh, no, Can I I'm get a refill of this? I'm, by the way, I'm I'm out of my flaming lips. Oh, of course, of course. And they they wave their hand up, and um, it uh, it just fills from the bottom up. So I mean, this is a good good segue, actually. So you talk about the powers of creation and giving it to the people of this plane. Um, how did you do that thing? And he's putting his hand on the table and like lifting it. And there's no tankard of like ale appearing. Now, Rangram, I've seen you create things out of nothing many times. So I know that you are not unable, uh, uh, you are not ill-equipped to be able to create something, but um, this is, creation is the one thing that I am able to do. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's come in handy many times, as you can see right now. Ooh, Ooh, I got one. Of coming in handy. I mean, he's like tipping his flask. It's a little, it's like, <laughs> <empty>. <laughs> you see, you see them raise the, raise their hand twice. Uh, and, uh, two, two tank full tankards appear in front of Rangra. Jody would for sure spit in your beer. Jody would yeah, just hop it. A dragonborn mm -hmm. lure you right into that. So another odd question. This one's been driving me absolutely crazy. So, I mean, you you were inside Cosmo a lot, and like you you know a lot of stuff. But 
Cosmo, someone's weird way to phrase that. Let's move past it. Sorry. Cosmo, someone's just like horse every once in a while. What did he do, and why is he in hell? Oh, we, I um, that's there are some things that I know. I said that I was open to answering all the questions, but there are some things that are just too horrible to even uh, even just discuss on. I, I, I do apologize, but there are, I, I, this is a, it's just, some things are, are just too awful. Clint's going to lean over to Cosme and be like, you probably need to stop summoning Steve. That seems a little <laughs> foreboding, man. Maybe we keep him where he is. Eh, Steve, he's a good, he's a good Steve. Um, I uh. think the literal, like, God saying that, uh, some deeds are unspeakable would lead you to believe he's not a very good Steve. Well, no, I didn't say he was a good Steve. I said he was a good steed. That's what yeah, I said. There's something, something to it. There's like a like a like a banishment to always following direction is more of a curse than wherever the hell he's coming. Where is Steve when he's not summoned? Let's just let's start I was, there. I was gonna yeah, say. I was gonna say we'll we'll leave it at this, but there's a when when things end up on the nine hell nine hells and especially the the lower levels of the nine hells, it's generally for a good reason. Damn. Ah, oh, we should have just been like killing Steve and selling his blood to Jargot. That probably would have solved a lot of problems. He's spectral, he doesn't bleed. Have you tried? Well, yeah, I slammed him into a rock once and he didn't bleed, he just disappeared. I literally fell a hundred feet from a waterfall. That checks out. I remember that. Poof. Yeah, that was wild. Gone. Yeah, that's fair. That was smart thinking, by the way. Good move. Yeah, yeah I... fuck you, Steve. Uh, Ayo, uh, where do ideas come from? I your your mind. We're getting very existential with a lot of these questions now, as, and as if you haven't been around me or around us enough to know that these two I, have those types of questions. You should. Have I seen fully coming. I fully expected it. Again, I can't read minds uh, or see the future. It's true. But but um. So I, this is all just a fun kind of a fun you know exciting uh, discovery one after another with these questions for me, but. Um, the, I mean, they come from, I guess if you think about it, they, they come from nowhere and then they exist. That kind of sounds like a bullshit answer. Um, but other question, if you created all this other stuff, who created you? That's a wonderful question. And I think that that is one of the many things that when I leave this plane and this reality, I think that's something that I'll try to find out for myself because I, I think there had to have been someone. There had to have been someone that created me and there's probably someone who created them. And I think that um, maybe I'll, when I leave, I'll, if I find that out, maybe Maybe I'll create, we'll create a, a new reality or I don't know. Maybe I'll just take a couple eon long vacation. So like, are you leaving? And then now you actually pass it off to the seven. Are we stuck with the seven? No offense, Rangrim. Are we, 
Is that a thing? Well, I mean, those guys, I barely know those guys, if we're being honest. Well, they just gave some the cool seven? stuff. That's, well, no, oh, like, man. he gets, like, his powers and, like, his belt and all that stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. So. Belt's going to light up. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time to put back together what was broken. But before I leave, I want to make sure that everything that was destroyed during the sundering is made right again. And that includes reassembling those gods that were shattered. And so it won't just be the seven. It will be all of them. The goal will be to restore the Pantheon to its full glory so that the seven and I would take pity on them because they have been functioning at a very limited capacity and unable to do what gods need to do. They have essentially just been, they've had the power of deities without any powers of creation. I guarantee you that if it were up to them, they would have recreated the Pantheon long ago, but they were missing the tools to do so. They've only been able to do with very little with what limited powers that they were allotted and left in a celestial plane that was mostly abandoned. It's it's a sad state of affairs that what 50 years will, will do um, to a place like this. And... But that does bring me to that question is it actually kind of brings me to something that I wanted to discuss with the three of you. I cannot thank you three enough for what you have done, (laughs) but I would like to try and to show my gratitude for all that you have been through and sacrificed. I would like to make you an offer. I will give you here. I have two choices for you. And that sounds ominous. I hear, I hear that. I heard it sounded ominous, but these are, this is an offer and they're they're It's, it's, it's not like a ultimatum, but after we're finished here, I will gladly return you to the prime material plane. Exactly as it was exactly when you left. That's no problem. That's, We could do that right now. But my offer for you is that if you so choose, I offer you the chance to ascend and become a god yourself. So, like, it sounds like... That might be an awful lot of work. Like, what does my what's my day to day look like? I think that that's something that you'll have to decide for yourself. Um, I will say though, it does not. This does not come without without sacrifice. This is not just a. This isn't an easy decision. And I'll, I'll to become a deity. You will have to forsake your mortal form. You will have to leave your body behind in the mortal realm. 
which means essentially you will die. And so that is, that's, that's the big caveat is that that's the big decision is do you give up your mortal life and those that you leave behind or do you return to them and live out the rest of your days as you would have otherwise? The three of you have been presented with this offer and AO is is sitting there not looking at you like expectantly or impatiently. They are just looking at you patiently and passively uh, sipping their weird flaming ale cocktail thing. Uh, and um, they, they kind of go into little bit more uh they, they kind of sit there and wait for uh you all to speak does anyone have something that they want to say glenn's gonna cosmo maybe we could step over to this other table and there's not another table but glenn's gonna look at ao be like oh there's maybe. a bunch of tables there's okay, a, there's it's it's a full it's it's literally down to every detail the the matic with all the tables I mean, the chairs could be nicer. The Matic doesn't really have the nicest chairs. Could you add some like pillows or something that we can go sit on? Because hardwood chairs kind of suck, but it doesn't matter. I, I think we should maybe talk about this not directly in front of Ao. Oh, well, I Ayo, mean, can you do like <laughs> you see? Must? You see them go? Oh, sorry, I got it. And you see their ears, the the outlines of the ears on the side of their head disappear. That was that's weird. That's a Holy little unsettling. Shit. Right. It's a lot of unsettling. Can you I mean, hear? I, I think you can still hear me. Test I him. feel like hey, it, it doesn't cunt. really does it really matter. You're a like, dick. He could probably read lips, but I mean, does it really matter gods. if he hears the us? All gods. Does it like? Do we care? I I I, I mean, I'll be if honest. If he's lying, he it's a, it's convincing. Lying about what? The opportunity to be a, a god, or the fact? That oh he no, can't that hear he us? that he can't hear us. I'm oh, still stuck shit. on that one. But yeah, we should talk about the god thing. So, like, um, I I feel like I just have questions. I feel like I already know my answer, but I have questions. Just what do you, what do you have questions about? Well, I mean, obviously, he offered us the ability, all three of us, to the opportunity to become a god. What happens to... I mean, okay, well, now there's, like, three tiers of a pantheon. First, there's, like, the what, what we as referred to as the old gods, and then now we have the new gods. And what are we? Like, the all, like the almost gods? The new gods? like The new new. The new new? Like... Well, that's kind of tight. The I new like hotness. That. I like that. So, so like what? We're just all gonna mush together on this like plane of existence and try and like have our own little piece of the pie of what it is that we do? Like, what? I think he's offering us the opportunity to define that now too. Well, yeah, I mean, we get to define what our piece of that pie is, but is that really what you want? I, Forever I don't not? know. It's what trying to figure that out. Sounds exhausting i mean like cosmo you've prayed what like every night since we've been together pretty much that's a lot of conversations that's like so many well like, i mean requests well for the most part you're just person. listening really i mean you're just 
You just listen, I imagine. I'm sure it's just like... It doesn't... It doesn't totally matter. What matters to me is Tin Town. Yeah. And we know that's safe. We're, we're going to be returned, if we choose to return, we're going to be returned with a safe Tin Town. Well, I'm I'm in it, so yeah, it's safe. That's fair. Every city needs a champion. And I mean, oh, so you, you guys, have like a whole company to run. I do have this accidental company that I got at like the very beginning of this whole ordeal that I somehow got. Oh, you're welcome, by the way. I mean, it you did. Me pay, some bets. It did. It did. It did pay for us all to pretty much deck out in all of the armor that we have as well as it probably single-handedly won the war of Winterhaven well I mean I don't know I assume it did yeah it's probably some cleanup too tied to like so you know who are the betrayers of the empire who there's so much in play that we don't know of like was the Emperor in play with Goldbreak? Did did the Emperor have no clue and the Goldbreak was just moving the peons and the, it's really not all that bad? Rangrim and I interacted with the Emperor once and I'm going to say respectfully to the Emperor in case, you know, these words travel on cosmic sails. He seemed like a bit of a dumbass. And I don't think, I'm not even sure if pawn is the right word. Like if Goldbreak was playing chess, I think he was playing checkers. Right. And so, even then he might've been playing shoots and ladders. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a strong competition for a resplendent ancient dragon. Right. So, I mean, you guys if you guys choose to be gods in this plane of existence, like, please bless my town and my family's life. But if you choose to stay in our plane of existence, I'm, I'm blessed to know you. So whatever you guys decide is fine. And it's always been a, that I want the best for each and every one of you forever. Sounds like you've already made your decision, Cosmo. Yeah. I, yeah, it sounds like it. I, I don't... Uh, my whole goal in this was vengeance. Vengeance for my father. Vengeance for my, for my city. And that's it. It's over. I'm done. Well, the beauty of the path we've taken is you don't have to question if your father would be proud. You you know he is. And that's something that you can't look, you know, a gift horse in the mouth, if you will. You have to be able to recognize the fact that you are given this opportunity of a new path. Vengeance has been bestowed. The, those who needed to be slayed have been slayed. You have a, a new chapter ahead of you? Do you not want to see that 
from the other side of the veil? Or do you want to bask in kind of the the warmth of the world that you built behind or left behind you? You know, being a god, I suppose they're not entirely eternal. Clearly, things can go the wrong way, but they sure live a whole hell of a lot longer than dwarves normally do. Yeah, you and guys I, are adorably young. Thank you. Rangrim's old, but I... No offense, Rangrim. Non-taking, Great. little dick. But sometimes it feels like the finality... The finitude of life tends to make those moments a whole lot sweeter. And living forever just... I don't know. I feel like my life after this plane of existence, I'll exist somewhere else. My my spirit will move on. This it doesn't just I don't go back to the dirt afterwards. I I create a legacy for for my lineage and that matters to me. Having a wee dwarf of me own, maybe someday. Wait, have you met? Have you met the special lady yet? Well, no, but you know. Do we know her? Inside check. <laughs> I rolled a two. You got good odds. <laughs> I don't. We don't know her. I don't know her. If I mean, maybe I know her. But Our anyways. season two is going to be how I met your dwarven mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a killer one shot. That is a killer one shot. The one shot is the guys going to a bar. To get Cosmo a wife. So I'm in. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to you're break good. up. <laughs> it's already broken. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. What do you, Glenn, Rangrim, do you, what do you guys, where do you guys stand? Um, well, I spent all that time away from my daughter. And now I have the chance to go back and live a normal life. But, you know, uh, immortality and godhood hanging on the end of a rope is an enticing offer. I feel like maybe I could do some good, shake things up a bit. Uh, you would do a lot of things, and shaking them up would definitely be one of them. I mean, to say the least. As some form of a god and a blacksmith, the magical items that you would imbue and uh, pass on to our plane of existence and others would Could be, be fucking sick. They sure would. What if you just like cast meteors down on like Sakal, and that was just an item? So there's like some random farmer who's out like, like. <laughs> Tilling some fields, all of a sudden, just has like this insane and murderous axe. So that sounds awesome. Sounds pretty cool. Wait, I have a question. Uh, Ao and like Glenn's gonna like try to get Ao's attention. It's gonna like sign right with minor illusion. Grow your ears back. Up. 
Does the offer stand for the girls as well? Can they be gods? Or is it just the three of us? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it would be up to them. Uh, but if I don't see why there couldn't be some divine steeds as well. Like the inverse or whatever the hell Steve is. Okay, you could throw your ears away again. Interesting. I mean, Rangrim, my only thought, and I mean, we've now killed an ancient gold dragon that was imbued with the soul stones of countless gods. I'm looking at the god of all creation across from us, and I'm pretty sure we could take him. Um, Regalia made me promise to send you back, and I can't imagine if I go back as a mortal and you're here as a god, I'm going to do very well against her. And if I do decide to stay with you as a god, you don't think Regalia's going to come just kill us and be like, what the fuck? I mean, she could certainly try. That's true. We could put some, like, weird plot devices in front of her to make it harder. <laughs> like, however she needs to ascend to get to us, we can put, like, the height limit at, like, six foot, and then she's just screwed. Well, I, I think if uh, I didn't come back and she found out that uh, her old man ascended to godhood, I think she'd let that one slide. Yeah, probably. I mean... That's fair. Cosmo could at least take the tail back to her, too. True. I mean... You know it. Assuming you're not going to get your memory wiped or any weird, godly... I doubt it. Like, obliteration of ideas, but... Yeah, that's a good question. And now he's going to start... Rangram's going to start waving at Ao again, like, pointing to his ears. Uh, yeah, what's what's up? Oh, uh, so... Inside check. This godhood thing... Am I still me? Do I have like my, my memories and stuff? Oh yeah, you're you're still you. I you wouldn't. I that'd be a pretty poor gift to give you something and take something else away. I I, I know that you know there's the whole you have to basically die thing to become a god, but that's just kind of par for the course. You can't really. Um, you guys being here now is kind of a uh, kind of a one off situation um but to to proper to properly ascend to become a deity you would have to leave your corporeal form behind and if one of us chooses to return to our mortal coil do we remember this experience yeah yeah i'm, I'm not going to take anything from you i I, you all have earned that at least um that this is this is an experience that i or anyone else can never take away from you i cannot wait to hear how cosmo explains this at a bar It'd be a hell of a story cosmo oh. i'm i'm gonna be i'm honestly i'm i'm sad i'm gonna miss it Uh, Cosmo also had a good question. So we have two conflicting pantheons currently. You restore the old. We have the existing new. Is there going to be quarrels there? Because we're 
theoretically more inclined to stop that from happening if it means we're going to have just another Winter Haven experience. That seems yeah. terrifying. My, my, my whole goal in this is some form of peace in Sakal over this war that has existed for my entire life between the new gods and the old gods and whatever. What happens then? Where, where do they... Does it just go back to the fighting? Does it just start again? Well, I think Ao's kind of answered that question already, in a sense. Now to think about it, he... Or they don't necessarily know, and they can't necessarily... Well, Same with this conversation at the table, dictate where it's going to go. That's that's a good, that's a fair point. So I suppose the question that maybe he could answer is: Do the seven get to keep their status as deities? That's up to them. They right. Right. they made they they make their they'll make their own decisions. They'll have the tools to do so. I'm before right. leaving. I will oversee making sure that what has what wrongs have been done are righted and then i will i will be off and everything will be in your hands and the in the seven's hands but in in from what i know about the seven they never intended to wipe out the entire pantheon and will likely be happy to exist alongside them as just more gods in the pantheon uh, i i don't I, I, I don't believe that there will be many quarrels there. And if anything, um, they they seem like they are relatively genial and uh, and well-tempered and honestly will probably be pretty happy to have the help because doing all of the godly duties that is required of, of <laughs> that the, the world requires, um, I can't imagine it's been simple to do with just the seven of them. Yeah, probably not. I mean, to that whole... point, Rangrim, did the gods you've been following they ever tell you to like kill any of the old followers? Did they ever like kind of what you've been no, doing? No, they just. Stab? I mean, we can overlook the whole Gerd thing, but no, they they never really told to sound me like to AO. do anything. They never really told me to do anything. Uh mean or nasty so unless we're talking like about this... the weird illithid one that was in my head you know thanks for the plane of madness Ao. so it sounds like probably not too surprising at this point the machinations of war that we've been exposed to has purely come from kind of our own doing our being the, the greater Mankind, if you will, mortal kind, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. Right. Those stupid humans, but uh, I guess Cosmo ultimately the idea of will we be able to confirm peace? No, but I mean, as tumultuous as our experience has been, the three of us, a lot of the peace that I've experienced at least has come from people like you. So 
can only really impact the things around you versus, you know, a holistic change. Because you find yourself enforcing peace and you're just the empire at that point, right? Sure, but there will be an existence of a Morden for someone of my sorts to be able to pray to and honor with my life and there will be some form of a response of some kind at times and it so won't... there always will be conflict right conflict that's, is inherent that's in just mortal kind what we do yes so that... i'm not i'm not ex- expecting ao to promise me in a a life full of peace and all the good things only and that there won't be bad. I expect some of it to suck. Just a little bit. It's gonna hurt. It'll be hard. That's just how life is. Uh, Back to a, a previous question, I guess. Or I guess we didn't fully ask it, but there could be a potential rift, right, between the old and the new. Where do we stand on this offer? Uh, Cosmo alluded to tears, ultimately. The new new, as we're describing ourselves. Is that a maker god of your kind? Are we... Like, like if Rangrim chooses to be a god, is he going to be like, god of rivers, and you're going to put him in the desert? Like, what's the... I'm I'm not... They put their hand up, and they're just like, I'm not going to assign them to they can you can choose to fill a, a gap in the pantheon you can choose to basically do whatever you want to do it this is all about freedom of choice that's everything that is going on here i i would not assign something to you you didn't want um it, you're going to be given the powers of a deity um and those powers will will be a what you want to do with those powers will be up to you. I don't really see them as tears. Uh, you won't have the ability to unmake the pan- like the uh, your your fellow gods uh, at a whim, but you'll be incredibly powerful. And once you learn how to wield your powers over the many many years that you will exist, you will become more powerful, and you will figure out exactly what what you want to do with that power and having spent so much time with the three of you I wouldn't worry about any of you abusing it and they kind of look over at uh, at Glenn and Rangram a little bit and goes well to uh, a dangerous level anyway well, well I don't know did- about you boys but um, I think I made up my mind I know I've made up mine. Glenn? I... Want to go last? Curious to see what you guys have to say. Fair enough. I think that means you'll go last. Yeah. Well, um... You you see, uh, you see AO. Um, well, if it's... If it's that time, you see them, uh wave their hand to just to the right of the table and you see a portal open. 
Um, and it's like this spinning kind of just like white light in, in midair that it's, uh, you know, an, a, just a big tall oval portal, kind of like a big old, like ovular mirror. And through it, you can see the real Matic. And you can see all of Tintown is there. They look like they are just celebrating uh, just the, the incredible victory. And they are right there. They are right through that that window. And they don't seem like they can see you. They don't seem like this is like a two-way portal or anything like that. But you can see them celebrating right through it. Um, basically, like you're looking into the real Matic as if it's exactly where this one is in another plane of existence. And uh, Ao looks at you and nods his head and goes, so who's going first? Before we make decisions, my glass is empty and it would be horrendous to make a decision like this with an empty toast. So if I could get a corpse survivor from a small island that we visited, that'd be greatly appreciated. Of course, of course. Um, they're like, I think that one was, ah, yes, that was Crystal Crescent, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, raises, uh, they raise their hand up and you see a, uh, a, a tiki-inspired cocktail uh, that's inspired off of a, a zombie that um, rises up, and uh, you can see that it has uh, little pieces of tropical fruit and uh, little palm fronds sticking out of it, and uh, it's uh, it's very well garnished. And you did kind of the the smells of like tropical drinks waft over you. Cosmo, over Cos- here, my friend. Cosmo uh, raises his his tankard. He says, well, I know for me, for me, it's Tin Town. I, that's where, that's where I belong. What life has for me after this life on this plane? Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, um, it's Tin Town for me. Well, Kinda knew that was the case, so I certainly feel a lot better not returning, knowing that you'll be there looking over it. And he's gonna take off the metal eye patch that he has affixed to his face, and he's going to write an inscription on it and hand it to Cosmo. He might show that my Reggie gets that. I will. I will. Well. I think Lynn's definitely taken aback and he's going to cheers Cosmo and cheers Rankrim and goes, well, I guess, Ao, I'd like to make a couple requests, if I may. If if there is definition to this, this deal that we're making, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be me if I wasn't trying to make some rules. I would expect so, expect nothing less. Someone's got to keep our gray dwarf in line. We're definitely bound to have a war if he's he's left unchecked. So <laughs> I'm thinking Cosmo. I'm going to stay behind as well. But I'd I'd like to at least extend something to Cosmo in this deal. Cosmo has a a request for peace. And Cosmo, as long as we're here on the other side of this veil, I've lost a lot of friends on the other, in our mortal coil. I mean, Adna's, yes. God knows where. Also, Ao, if you know where she is, it'd be super cool if you could 
reconnect us because we've like sent her to multi-planes a few times. She's probably a little lost. <laughs> um, we'll promise you peace, Cosmo. Whether you pray to us or not, I hope you don't because I'd be fucking so uncomfortable. I would hate to hear a groveling Cosmo in any capacity, but <laughs> not just Tin Town, but wherever you go, I imagine Rangram will agree to this. It'll be protected. In AO, whatever rules you're setting in this deal, there needs to be an understanding that we have the capacity to do so. Whatever version of a god we're made. It's, like I said, it's your decision to make what kind of deities you become. The power is is what you're being given, and what you do with it is up to you. But I, I can, I can give you something. Um, I, I'm not just going to take your corporeal forms away from you now. I can give you seven days. You can go back for seven days, and after that period of time, someone will come to collect you. But you can have that week to do what you need to do to finish affairs and make sure everything's in order before you pass on. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not one for long goodbyes, and I feel like that week is just going to make uh, pulling this proverbial bandage off that much harder for me. I don't think I'm going back to Tintown today, boys. I might, uh, might come with you, Cosmo, because again, Regalia finds out that I didn't bring Rango back. She's going to try to kill me anyways. So maybe I'll just offer the opportunity to kill me at the end of the seventh day, and that'll at least let her start working towards acceptance, but... I, um, I think she'll be okay, Rangrim. She'll be have you just... met her? I think so, too. Uh, I have, sure. I have, I have met her. She's a strong Duogar. Of course she is. She's a dark forge. Well then, fuck it, Rangrim. Let's let's get to work. Well, uh, what do, so is it like? Do we have to fill out a form or something? Because I don't know if you remember. I'm not very good with reading. I'm amazed. Another word, form. There's, there's, there's no paperwork included. Cosmo, I, I'm going to task you with, with one thing and it's not going to be, their corporeal forms can't stay here. They need to make it back to the prime material plane. Will you be okay with and able to put them to rest? I'd be honored. Um, you you see Ao nod his head and he waves his hand on the other side of the table, and another portal appears. And you see in it, you see seven figures standing there, all made out of that like white outline of light. And you see one of them that steps forward, 
and it's a small form and they seem to have the outline of a like bandana around their eyes they, they they're like halfling in status um and i think on their on their waist they have a couple of rapiers and as they uh they step through they they look at you um and they put out two hands towards rangrim and glenn and you hear them say are you ready ready I can one last drink with our our friend, and Glenn's gonna hold up a glass. I'd like to make a toast to the two of you, the most important people that I've met in a very, very, very long life. And it would be an absolute dishonor to the Matic, even in this form, for us to leave it with a full glass. So if you won't, don't mind. Glenn's gonna hold his glass. Cheers. There are tall folks and there are small folks and folks of every size. But the best folks are dwarf folks with hearts as big as pies. May their axes stay sharp and their ale always flows. Here's to dwarven friendships. May they never slow. Salute, boys. You know, Salute. Cheers them. Salute. Cheers. Also, and Cosmo, I... if it helps you in killing us, just think we like, you know, no. Slept with your mom or something. No, I. There won't be any killing. I'm just sad I don't get to go home with my two best friends. Oh, well, you do. It's just. We're kind of going to be dead in the back of the cart. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Ah, shit. Well, you guys are going to make some serious trouble <laughs> as gods. You got that right, kid. Uh, yeah, we're going to probably cause more issues up here than could ever be had down there. So don't worry, the chaos will be kept on this side of the house. All right. Well, I certainly didn't think I would be headed back alone, but... um. I suppose we should get to going then, huh? I guess we uh we should make sure she gets that. All right, Cosy. I sure will. Uh, as Cosmo yeah, offers uh Rangrim a very big, tight dwarven hug embrace, and he fully accepts. You ever uh? want to see us, and I'm sure Rangram will agree to this too. Just pour some drinks at the Matic and leave him an empty chair. We'll be there. You know I will. <laughs> it's probably going to be the first thing I'm going to figure out how to do if we're being completely honest. Probably. Yeah, we should probably like test our powers just to haunt him or something. Yeah, don't haunt me. That's boring. Fun haunting. Go go hunt Baldor or something that you guys have been talking about forever. That's a great idea. However, Glenn, before I met you, I didn't like elves. I could tell. Now, I still don't really like elves, but I absolutely <laughs> love you. And um, there isn't another elf that I wouldn't have at my side that I would trust to cover me back. And uh, it's been an honor to call you my friend and my comrade. 
companion. I appreciate you always giving me a second thought when it comes to the stupid shit I'm about to do. I, a lot of people talk about the, the demons and the gods on their shoulders and never really looked for a god because I knew if I asked you what was the right thing to do, you'd always steal me the right way. So I appreciate you. And Glenn's going to like put a hand on his shoulder and cast enlarge. So he's Glenn's height. He's going to hug him. Perfect. Nice. But also, please do not let Regalia come after me. Like, I'm... she was very clear that she was going to kill me if I don't bring Rangram back. So please, please, please. It was his choice to stay here. Trust me, I... I, I feel like in some way she'll understand. She'll have to come to terms with it. But, um... It will. We love you, Cosmo, and, uh... You'll have some more friends on the other side. Also, please feed Genevieve at least once a week. She gets very peckish. Yeah, I... I don't know what to do with this strange card, but, um... I'll keep it safe forever. The, the small form is still sitting there with its uh, hands outstretched um, both towards Galen and Rangrim, just waiting patiently. Like I said, I'm awful at these long goodbyes. Cosmo, I think you have a hero's welcome waiting for you. Yeah. A well-deserved one. And Rangrim's gonna walk towards that open portal. I think Glenn starts walking towards it and he goes, fuck, totally forgot. Cosmo and Glenn's gonna take Chandrell off his back and he's gonna throw him to throw her to Cosmo and goes, She can get so bored on this side. There's not enough scheming or killing to do among gods, I imagine. I know you got Chet, and sorry, Chet, if I'm taking any action from you, but she belongs on that plane. She she belongs teaching the next generation. So if it's not you. Maybe Regalia can get learn something from her. I'll, I'll find somebody worth uh, carrying it. Glenn's going to throw an arm over Rangram's shoulder and not even take the hands of the small halfling in front of him. He's going to walk next to him and yeah, pat the halfling we, on the back we, and be like, you know you're our new Cosmo, right? And we're going to like just start cutting him walking into the, the portal. <laughs> um, Cosmo, you see as, uh, as your two friends head towards the portal and the, the halfling takes one last look back at, at AO and nods. And then as he walks up behind them, just as they're about to pass through the portal, he puts his hands on either of their lower backs. And as he does, you see their bodies fall back towards you. And you see their spirits continue forward, walking forward and through and into the portal together with the small halfling. And you see them just for a moment as they pass through the veil and are on the other side and they're they're shining in that same like white silhouette light that the other that the seven gods are that are on the other side and as the guide leads them through you see your friends look back one last time as the portal closes behind them and i think that ao with as much respect and courtesy as he possibly can muster helps Cosmo to load Rangram and Glenn's bodies onto the onto the cart 
um, and widens the portal so that it's large enough for the cart to go through as well. And is there anything that Cosma does as he gets onto the cart and prepares to go home? Um, I think he would just look, be sitting on the carts and and just look over at Ao and you'd tell them thank you for everything. I much of it maybe was not within your control, but thank you. I I wouldn't be here without you and Rangrim and Glenn. You have no reason to thank me. It's it's thanks to you three that there even is a future at all. And that well, in this moment may not seem like it, but you reached that happy ending. And that's all thanks to you. And you Cosmo or and Rangrim England. Yeah, sure is. Thanks to those guys. Made me the dwarf I am. Damn it. That's nothing that's something that no one can ever take away from you, no matter where they are. That's right. So, um what now? I go back to Tintown and Sakal the war is over. You go back and you live your life, Cosmo. This do the new god, old god, does it will the sense of the old god's presence come back? I can't I it's going to take some time to make things right. Um it'll be helped with with your friends aid, of course. Now there'll be nine gods to help do this um instead of seven, but I uh, I don't know. You know as much as I do, uh, and and the I, I I think you're right though. I think that I think that the knowledge that the gods return will slowly spread, um, but how that it will happen, you'll be discovering it the same time I will. Right. Well, if there's one thing for sure, the the world will know that Rangrim and Glenn gave their lives for this world. So. All right then, girls. He leans down and pats those donkeys and uh, I guess this is uh, where we head off home then, eh? You, you see uh, you see AO just gives you one last um, one last just not of gratitude and uh, just a, a wave as you ride uh, you you kind of you know giddy up the donkeys forward and you hear the kind of like a from underneath the cart uh, where Genevieve's at um, as you uh, as you pass through into uh, as you pass through the portal back into Tin Town and when you get back everyone is celebrating and you are able to gather from them that basically as soon as you pass through the veil between planes, 
the all of the undead stopped animating. They just dropped dead again. And as soon as Skullbreak had been destroyed, the whatever power was over the Sephirians stopped. And they came to their senses and pretty much immediately put down their arms and stopped fighting. And the Empire, they they retreated. They were they were driven back with without the help of the Sephirians. And it's going to take a lot of cleanup. And there's a lot to do. Tintown is a fucking mess. But uh, you can see that the the mound where um, where the Boulder Fist Mining Company was on like on top of there's a massive hole through it where the purple worm, uh, the undead purple worm, crawled out of. And so it's it's going to take a lot of work. But nothing that is outside of the capable hands of of Cosmo Stoneheart. But as soon as everyone in Tintown learns about Rangrim and, and Glynn, it's obviously a very somber affair. And I think it's it's with the entire town's help that there is very quickly arranged a, a funeral, uh, a funeral pyre for the two of them. And not only the two of them, but the other denizens of Tintown that fell in the battles that to the undead and to all of the other things that day, um, including, and I think that they're all getting the same treatment. It's, it's soldiers, it's, it's Imperials, it's, it's people that, you know, longtime uh, members of, of Tin Town. And there's, there's a, a large funeral that is, uh, that is put together. So while the town is, is setting up for this, it's, it's, a, it's an, it's a, an affair that is, I mean, it's it's there's no way around it. It's it's somber, but at the same time, there's also it's it's there's a little a bit of levity because of just how happy everyone is that this is over, like this that they've survived and that they're like there's so it's it's kind of that that bittersweet uh, feeling. But while they're they're setting up for this, I have some questions for the three of you, um, and I think I will I think I'll start with Cosmo um, and. My question for you, Cosmo, is what do the next five years for Cosmo look like? And obviously in broad strokes. And where do you end up? You know, I think it the the first couple of years I imagine exist making sure that the story of Glenn and Rangrim is told. The... The story of the deceitfulness of Goldbreak is told. I imagine that so many people saw what took place. That it was... We were literally fighting it out in the sky. Like, I don't... And... Too many people saw it. And see and so I think Cosmo's perspective was the telling of truth. Making sure that the truth is told of what happened and You know, and so maybe he spends time with the Revivifists and Lady Zoran and seeing that they are well kept and uh, maybe he's right in the phrase of establishing some kind of 
peace amongst the Empire and the Revivifists in the telling of the truth. Obviously, opinions are their own, and people may land on the fact that the Empire is evil, but but Cosmo does not lead that charge. Cosmo's always understood that the Empire may have just been misled. I, I don't know what how that story unfolds, but I think that once once time enough time passes and he he finds himself back in Tin Town doing the thing that he was grew up doing being a miner running the Boulder Fist mine and um you know maybe he does find himself a a dwarven lady who he maybe eventually has kin with you know i do i do see i don't know if it's in five years I, he's a little too young but life has happened so maybe he settles down quick there are definitely kin in his future how many and and do you have names for him um oh i mean only one for sure but i don't see any reason why not um the only one that I've actually given thought to was a girl. A little girl. Uh, her her name is uh, Sydney. She's named after. She's named after his dad. Um. I, other than that, you know who knows. Yeah, I love that. I think that's. I think that's where Cosmo's story maybe ends. I don't know. Well, or at least that's that's at least the next the next five years of the story. Um, so I want to go to uh, to Rangrim next. What does what does Rangrim become the god of, and what is like a major thing that you set out to do in you know with these newfound divine powers? Um. Definitely some, I don't know if he could be considered uh, the god of the forge, if that's even possible. He's like throwing elbows directly to Morden, like, sorry. Maybe there's a new dwarf in town. Uh, the, the new hotness, the stuff I make is way better. You just make swords and stuff. I make like switchblade battle axes. Yeah, you didn't know that was a thing. But somewhere around, uh, definitely it's be forged and weapon or armor creation based I love it is there anything that like you set out to like any particular thing you like set out to do or is that like it's just like carving out yourself as like this this new this this new young hot uh, weird uh, forge master like your whole your whole shit well there's, def there's definitely that but I definitely think that um, as he actually grew up in the early sessions we talked about this um his family was actually worshiping morden in secret because mm -hmm. it was outlawed in Duragar society i think he if he could find a way to reach out to that society to change that because now they have a That's literal cool. deity of from their own like kin 
to maybe like you know let's stop the slaving and the weird underdark shit and like you're sending pamphlets like, out <laughs> yeah y'all y'all motherfuckers need brain grim you know yeah you're you're sending out you're sending out like missionaries down to the underdark to like to, to, to spread the word of Morden down there to spread the word of Rangram actually down there to mm -hmm. uh to try to, to try to get some new uh to get you know and as we all know the the more the more followers you have the more powerful of a, of a godhood or more powerful god powers you get over time so um that's i like that so you're uh you're trying to you're trying to undo some of the wrongs uh that are and especially you know after 50 years after the sundering like the the underdark was a pretty nasty place to be um and so yeah. like kind of with a fresh start kind of uh you know trying to get some of them away from you know being lull followers and things like that mm -hmm. so i love that um how about you glenn what is uh what has glenn become the the god of and what's like something that they set out to do with their new powers i have so many ideas um Glynn surprising no one <laughs> so I've already come up with a name surprising absolutely no one I've already come up with a name Glynn is uh the god of smooth sailing so although it might be implied that this is tied to the seas uh I think Glynn likes the idea of having a little bit of luck a little bit of chaos involved in who he is a little bit of uh the underdog so whenever something goes right when it shouldn't there's a glimpse of Glynn's presence, and that can happen in a multitude of ways. Um, but I think for the first five mortal years, uh, Glynn's focus isn't necessarily undoing anything because he, he knows Cosmo's going to keep Tintown safe. Um, but just to add a little bit of chaos to the equation, Glynn... Similar to what Chandrell did with him, um, and going back and being good on his promise to Baldor, is going to imbue a few weapons with Glenn's presence for training of his orphans. And it's not going to go the way Baldor wants, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think along the same lines, Glenn stays heavily involved in stays heavily impacting the Baron's work to make sure that all that money funnels back towards Tintown. I think Glenn does everything he can within his godly power without being visible um, and kind of tempting fate to feed Tintown into being the next gold break. I love it. Um, one, one, uh, two things actually. Um, Shortly after, I, I think like, well, maybe not shortly after, but like maybe a month or so after the uh, Cosmo returns to Tin Town, uh, you are visited by a a very strange um, figure. It's like this, uh, it's like a, it's like a fish person that, mm -hmm. yeah, Cosmo, you're visited oh. by like this, like this fish person. And you obviously don't know who they are at first. And then as soon as they speak, you discover that, it's actually the Baron, and you discover that they they explain to you that um, they have basically they are a lich, and they have the ability to transfer from body to body when their body dies, and they just happen to be 
there happened to be a dead fish person that was like really close when uh, when they died, and that's kind of the body they ended up in. Um, so that you do you do discover that. Um, I have one question, another question for you though. Per Cosmo. Well, perfect timing on that one, like all the timing of Baron dying, them becoming gods. You know, time is all wonky. I think he was about to go into this like insanely powerful like minotaur. And Glenn just like restored life to the Minotaur <laughs> just so he had to like go to the next thing, which is like this hideous fish creature just to fuck with the Baron one last time. This this goofy ass fish person. I love it. Um uh Cosmo, does uh does Baldor get the sword back? Does he get Chet back? Um Does Baldor get Chet back? I mean, I think he would offer it to him. Okay. I think um, Cosmo would find a point at which where he doesn't live a life that Chet desires. Um, and so, you know, there are others out there that seek the glory of battle still. And, well, Chet can be that for them. So just pass him, pass him on to a, a new, a new wielder, basically yeah. after, after his, uh, his purpose was served. I like that. Yeah. Um, I think he'd also probably try and return that armor to, uh, to, <laughs> to the Dawn Forge, <laughs> but he broke it. He broke yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, he, he absolutely, it <laughs> he absolutely yeah. lost the, yeah. that left shoulder guard. And if there was uh, ever a place though that could repair that, it's the Dawn Forge. It's um, definitely that. So. That's great. But um but yeah, so having having that answered, I just I wanted to, I definitely wanted to hear um you know what the next years for the, the three of you looked like, but we return back to the somber uh kind of scene that is the entire town setting up for this this funeral. Um and I think that word gets out and I think that it is not long before um, people start arriving from all over Sakal to pay their respects to Rangrim and Glenn. And I think it's like it's taking a couple days to get these things set up, and all the proper spells have been done on the uh, on the deceased to make sure that you know they they stay in a respectable state. Um, but I mean, I think that like Kosha, Baldor, members of of the Ebon Liberation Front, Cedric, former Constable Hunter, Sejukor shows up riding their mammoth. I think that they arrive with Bakarin and Lady Zoran, who are still, like, just beat to shit from the battle up north, uh, but they, you know, wouldn't miss this. Um, and even Eustace, Callahan, Floating Leaf, and even, hilariously, Gerd find their way to Tin Town to say their final goodbyes. And I think it's that night that everyone's gathered for the funeral pyre and they're stacked. These things are stacked just so high and you can see, you know, on top of them, you can see your friends, but there are probably 15 or so of these in total, but the two largest ones are the ones that are side by side holding Rangrim and Glenn. And I think that everyone looks on as this this ceremony begins and i think that only a few people are handed torches as the 
the lighting of these pyres um, it, where it's time to do so. And Cosmo, you're handed a torch first, um, along with Pops and Madge and Regalia. And I think even Tom gets in here with uh, with one of these uh, with one of these torches. And um, I think they wait. They uh, they they kind of like follow your lead, Cosmo. I think it's a very somber, sad moment. I think he's still maybe in shock. And uh, but he knows that he's so proud of who they were and who they are that it's he lets he would rather the pyre of itself speak of just how much brightness and how much they brought to Sakal. You take your your torch and you lay it upon the pyre first and following right behind you are like I said Pops, Madge, Regalia and Tom and very quickly these these pyres go up in just create these beautiful beacons to the celestial plane above and as the fire grows we we zoom out and we see the lone silhouette of Cosmo standing against the the just roaring fires of these two pyres and you, you see them they're sitting there but standing there by themselves and looking at these at this flame as it grows and then to the left and right of them, we see two spectral figures. One of Rangrim and one of Glenn. And you see them put their arms around Cosmo's shoulder. And you see the fearsome four together for one final time. No longer almost, but now and forever, truly heroes. The end. <laughs>